Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand? Amen. We are so grateful that you are here with us uh, this evening on Christmas Eve Eve, our first time ever to do this, and we're uh, excited about uh, all the happenings uh, surrounding this evening and are grateful that you took the time to be here. Over the last few weeks at Stone Point, we've been talking about this idea of proximate, and the whole purpose of proximate is to help reveal to us just the people that are around us, and oftentimes we don't look to see people around us because of the narrative, the way that we see the world and the way we see people. And so we're oftentimes just challenged to, to get around other people who aren't like us simply because they don't have our skin color or they don't believe the same things we, we do or maybe they don't have the same political ideals that you do. And so whatever it is, though, it kind of keeps us isolated to ourselves. And uh, when we get isolated to ourselves and we're not around other people, not only are we afraid to get proximate to people, we, we really are afraid to just really look at our own narrative, to see what it is that we believe and why it is that we're here. Matter of fact, there was a, a gentleman that uh, two years ago, uh, we were doing a Christmas Eve service at, the, at Wills Point High School. It was before we launched our Edgewood campus, which was two years ago in January. And there was a gentleman who had been attending Stone Point for about a year. And he had been here the first two times he ever visited Stone Point. He had heard that we were a growing church, but he just refused to get out of his car because there were so many people around. Matter of fact, if you're here tonight and you're kind of anxious because of all the people around, that's how this gentleman felt. And so the first two visits he was here, he was afraid to get out of the car. And uh, eventually he would get out of the car. And uh, for about a year, he began just kind of began attending Stone Point. He would attend and then he kind of got plugged in a little bit to a journey group and then kind of took a couple of steps from there. But two Christmases ago, as we were doing this Christmas Eve service, I had just finished speaking and I had come off the side of the stage at the high school and he kind of thought, I'll cut out early. Maybe nobody will see me. Nobody will catch me. Uh, kind of like some of you are tempted to do when the last song starts. You're like, I'm bolting. I'm going to beat all the traffic. Well, that was this guy. The only problem was he ran into me coming off the stage. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he was like, oh no, I've been caught. And that's the first thing he said to me, oh no, I've been caught. And I'm like, no, you're, you're fine. But what he was doing, he was trying to avoid some of the anxiety that came with Christmas. See, a lot of us for Christmas is an exciting thing, but for him, it wasn't that exciting. About three years prior, he had lost his wife on December 22nd. And so he just really had a hard time anticipating the season of hope. And it was a really difficult night for him. As he walked out, I knew that he came and he really made himself do that, but it was also a challenging night for him. And so I just said, hey, would you mind if I prayed with you? Like if I just encouraged you. And I wouldn't know it at the moment, but later he would write about it. And he would tell me that that was one of the most meaningful things. And he said, it wasn't because you took the time to pray with me, go, although that was really encouraging. He said, but it was an answer to God's prayer. Because I had been praying that God would get close to me. And he said, in this time where I really needed it, he said, you showed me that God was hearing my prayers. The next month, uh, we would do a big uh, sermon series about the regeneration ministry, recovery ministry we have at, uh, on 7 o'clock on Mondays. And he showed up to it. And he went a whole year through the regeneration program. Eventually came back as a leader. But this guy was working through a lot of challenges he had had been in ministry, but just he just felt like there was something missing, that there wasn't, he wasn't fulfilling all of the purpose that God had for him. He just felt like there was more. And he was wondering, am I, all, am I the only one this lonely? Am I the only one wondering what God wants to do with me? 
And he goes on this two-year journey, which is incredible. And this guy's name was Bob Mayo. Now, Bob is a, was a member here, but this last Monday, he passed away and went with, to be with the Lord. Now, the reason I tell you this story, though, is for two reasons. Number one, this Christmas, he's not lonely. And number two is the reason he's not lonely is because there's a God who came down, and he got proximate to us in our weakness. And the reason I wanted to share that with you tonight is because Jesus did something really amazing. And it's not just that he put skin on and became a baby, but it was the mindset of Jesus that impresses me. And Paul writes to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 2, and he, he's going to encourage them to, to have unity among them, to not fight or quarrel. James chapter 4, James tells us, what is it that causes fights and quarrels among you? And he goes, isn't it really your selfishness? Like after, at the end of the day, all of us tend to be a little bit selfish, you know, uh, we really struggle with that. And so here it is, you got Paul, he's writing this church in Philippi and saying, hey, what would it look like if you weren't selfish? And so this is what he says in verses one and following. He says, if there be any encouragement in Christ or any comfort from his love, any participation of the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of the one mind. He goes, if, if we could just encourage one another, he goes, what would it look like if we just were kind and we were loving and we were benevolent and we understood what affection and sympathy was and we knew how to greet one another and we participated with the same mind. That's the reason that we gather in a place like this tonight. It's why we sing carols. It's why we'll light candles. It's why we'll have times where we eat s'mores together and we are bounce houses and we enjoy snow. It's participating in this fellowship. And that's what Paul goes. He goes, what would it look like if we participate in what God wants to do? And then he goes on to verse three and he kind of does this little shift. And he goes, and do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. He goes, what would it look like if you weren't selfish? Now, if you remember, James tells us in chapter four, what, what, what is it that causes fights and quarrels among you? The reason, like in your marriage, the reason you fight is because you're selfish, right? The reason that you have a hard time at work is because somebody's selfish. And I'm not saying it's you, it's probably your coworker, right? But somebody's selfish there. And you know, you're like, I don't really know if I'm all that selfish. Well, listen, if you struggle to see selfishness, I think one of the greatest times you can see is at Christmas. And if you don't believe that, just watch your kids, because tonight we're going to do you a favor, and we're kicking this whole thing off, not on Christmas Eve, but Eve Eve. So tonight you're going to go home, and they're going to go, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, when can I open the presents? Can we start tonight? I mean, we had this Christmas deal, and you see right in us, like, we go, hey, don't buy me anything, but inside we're like, hey, please buy me something, right? <laughs> you see, even in a season like this, a season where we talk about giving, a season about hope, we see selfishness. The reason why is because it's something we battle with. But Paul goes, what would it look like if we weren't selfish? And he says in verse 4, what if, what if we, you know, le- each of us look not only to our own interests, but the interest of others? What if we had this, the mind of putting others above ourselves? See, if you wanted to get proximate to someone, here's a couple of things you don't do. If you want to get close to people, then it means don't be conceited, don't be selfish, don't rule over them and tell, you, tell them that you're better than them. Like that's those things are you, those things that you don't do. But if you came and you were humble and you said, you know what, I don't understand why you believe what you do. I don't understand why you think this way or why you made this decision, but help me understand. If you approach that humility, then you have a chance to get close to someone, don't you? And that's what Paul says. And then he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is like Jesus, yours in Christ. 
And then he tells you the mindset that Jesus had. He said, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, be born in likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Now think about this just for a second, okay? I happen to have the belief that Jesus was God, fully, 100% God, 100% man. Now think about this just for a second though. If Jesus is God and, and we know that he is the Alpha and the Omega, he's always been and always will be, then let me ask you this. Why would he leave the heavenly places to come here? I mean, a, a, a world of darkness and sin and people that are selfish like you, you know? I mean, not like me, right? But like you, selfish like you. Why would he come here, right? We're all selfish. We're all self-seeking. And yet Jesus left the place, the right hand of the Father, to come and to dwell among men, to, to be here, to, to what? To come, to not say, you know what? I'm God. I don't, I'm not going down there. And he didn't ever say that to the Father. He didn't go, you know what? I, I don't think I can do this. He just said, yeah, I'll, I'll gladly go. And he comes, and I can't think of anything that's more proximate than a God who left a place of perfection a place where there is no sin and no pain and no mourning, a place where holiness dwells, where the throne is in, in, in literally enshrined with angelic beings and elders singing. Like, why would he come here? And it's because he wants to get proximate to you. And he says, and he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop being in, in, in his humility. I mean, humility is he comes and he comes in the form of a baby. I mean, he didn't come as a conquering king. He laid in a stable. He didn't have room in an inn. He, he came and he was in a part of a lowly family with no money. He came from a place called Nazareth, which was no, a, a nowhere type of town. I mean, he came in humility. He came as a suffering man. He, he waited as a carpenter for 30 years before he even began to inaugurate his ministry. Like he was just a humble guy. And then he goes, but that's not what at all. Paul says, that's not all he did. He didn't just come in humility to selfish people, but he said he went further than that. He even became obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. He wanted to go proximate even more. And so in that reason, you would see that God would give Jesus a name above all names. And in verses 9, 10, and 11, it would say he would bestow upon him the name above all names, the name that Every knee would bow before heaven and earth at the name of Jesus. Like every knee would bow at this man. Why? Because of his obedience, because he was selfless, because he came and he got proximate to people like you and me in our sin problem. Now, isn't that crazy? A God leaves perfection to get close to you and me. But here's what's really cool. John, the disciple of Jesus, he, he tells us that, that Jesus went further than that. Matter of fact, I, I love what C.H. Spurgeon says. C.H. Spurgeon says it this way. The lower he stoops to save us, meaning Jesus, the higher we ought to lift him up in adoring reverence. Blessed be his name. He stoops and he stoops and he stoops. And when he reaches our level and becomes a man, he still stoops and stoops and stoops lower and even deeper yet. So Jesus goes, I'm not just coming to you in your sin as a man, but he goes, I'd like to go further. And John tells us what he means by that. And so in John chapter 1, you see that uh, John, he, he tells us the word becomes flesh and he makes his dwelling among us and that, the, you know, that he becomes the life and the light of all men. And then he says that he's going to come among his people and he don't rec they don't recognize him. And he's going to tell you about this guy named John the Baptist who comes before Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus. 
But look in John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm going to write it for you up on the screen. It says, And the Word, meaning Jesus, became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then it goes on, it says, Now John, meaning John the Baptist, he bore witness about him and he cried out of the one whom he said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Now, John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus and he's born a handful of months before Jesus. And this is what he says. He goes, I'm telling you about the guy who even though he came after me, meaning by birth, he's the one who was before me. Why? Because Jesus of all time, right? Jesus is the one who created the world, entered the world into time and space. Is the reason that you and I know time and space is the reason that kids are counting down. So you can thank Jesus that you have a clock, right? He, he enters into this and, and he comes to dwell among men. Now, here's what's incredible. When it says the word became flesh and he dwelt, it means that Jesus came as a man in the flesh. And then it says, and he dwelt and the word is skene. The word there in the Greek literally means skin. And so Jesus came and he dwelt in the, it's the fullness of deity dwell in bodily form. And he came so that he would dwell among people with skin on. See, in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle and God, before there was a temple built, would dwell in the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was covered by animal skins. And he goes, well, I don't want, I don't want to dwell in a tabernacle anymore. Paul would say in Acts chapter 17, God didn't come to dwell in what? a temple built by mortar and bricks and by human hands. He goes, I want to dwell in you. The fullness of deity dwell in Jesus so that he would dwell among people with skin. And so he goes, you want to see God? Look at Jesus. And Jesus came and he lived among people. But then Jesus said something interesting. He goes, I'm going to go away that there would be a more suitable helper for you. And he sends what we would know as the Holy Spirit. And you know where the Holy Spirit dwells? He doesn't dwell where there are bricks and stones and wood and mortar and buildings and steeples. He dwells in the lives of people with skin here in our hearts. I can't think of God getting more proximate than that. He didn't just come into the world just to get in the middle of people and dwell in their sin problem. But he goes, I want to go even deeper yet. And I want to get as close to you as you'll allow me to in your sin problem. I want to go to the very depths of your heart and I want to cleanse you. And I want to give you remission from your sin. And I want to raise you to walk in a new life with Jesus. He goes, I want to heal you. And here's what's incredible. The reason that I told you about a guy like Bob Mayo is this, is you don't have to be lonely. Because Jesus says, I'll never leave nor forsake you. You don't have to feel like that you're out on an island all by yourself. You don't have to feel like that because the way you look or the way that you're given a lot in life, that you're, that you're a nobody and that you don't measure up because Jesus goes, no, you measure up because I've, I've come for you. And that, my friends, is what Christmas is about. It's about him coming for us. And in verse 16, of John, John goes on, he goes, for the fullness we have all received, grace upon grace. The law was given through the Moses and grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but he has made him known. Meaning, no one's ever seen God. In Exodus 33, Moses longed to and God covered his hand, 
covered his face in the cleft of the rock, and he goes, no one can see God. And then all of a sudden, God comes, as Tim Keller would say, in the form of a wiggly baby, so that you could not only see him, but that you could get close to the God of the Bible. And so when you see that baby, that Christ child, I hope that you realize that just as we've encouraged you to get proximate to people that aren't like you, that we've encouraged you to have coffee and conversation with a staunch Republican or a Democrat or whatever the other view is that you have or libertarian, whatever, that you would have coffee and conversation with somebody that didn't look like you, didn't have the skin, same skin color as you, didn't have the same social status as you, that you would have conversation with them, get close to them, seek to understand where they're coming from. The reason why is because God got close for you and I. And I think if he's done that for us, then why would we not be his hands and feet? The church, the people of God, not this building, why wouldn't we want to get close to other people? And so here's your one commission as you leave here tonight. We're going to light some candles and we're going to sing a couple more songs. But as we leave here, we celebrate the light of the world who came near in darkness to free of us of, of our sin problem. But the second thing is this, the only other homework you have is that as you walk out of this place and perhaps you enjoy some snow or a bounce house or you make yourself a s'more and enjoy a hot cup of coffee or cho hot chocolate, that you, would, that you would look around you for just a second and go, you know what, I've never met you. And when you introduce yourself to them, they're going to go, hey, it's crazy. I've never met you. I've been here for six and a half years, okay? That's fine if they say that. But maybe perhaps it's somebody that this is the very first time here. Or perhaps it's somebody that they are like a Bob Mayo. And tonight they're going to go home and they're going to be lonely for a few days. Perhaps this is an opportunity for you to build a relationship that makes an impact for eternity. Would you reach out and enjoy fellowship? and enjoy the fun and the festivities, realizing that Jesus came as a baby so that he would send us out as priests and as prophets and as leaders for him as he makes his name famous throughout the earth. He dwells in us. Therefore, we are his people. May we proclaim that. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, we love you and we thank you for this privilege to serve you, to be your hands and feet. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have made us a tribe of, of priests that you have allowed us to come near to you as the high priest, the one who is perfect in every way. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you died and you dwelt uh, um, uh, among men for the sake of giving forgiveness and remission of sin. And Lord, I pray that we would realize you didn't just come just for a one set of people, that you came for any of those who would believe in you and would call upon you that you would save them wherever they were. And so, God, I pray that you would speak into their hearts and their lives, that you would remind them of your goodness. And, Father, I pray for that person in here tonight that they're lonely and, and they're afraid. I pray, God, that you would come near to them. Father, for those of us in here that we know the God of the Bible, the, the God who knelt down and got low for us, the one who, who lives and dwells in us, the deity of God lives in us. Lord, would we... Would we be the light and the salt in the world? God, would you help us to have conversations with the people we don't know, people who don't look like us? God, because that's what you want us to do. That's who you are. That's why you came. So God, help us to not be selfish. But may we empty ourselves of all of our ambitions and of all of our conceit. And may we lift you up and lift others up as well. And may we make much of this time together as we celebrate and have fellowship and we exalt that little wiggly baby who made a difference in this world. We thank you, Jesus, the name above all names. And it's in your name we pray.
Amen.